The Audio Ballads present Citizen Pain, Episode Seven. We wanted to watch the funeral parade go by. Parade? Huh? See that old dog cart over the way? Four of his friends are gonna load the coffin on that and drive him up to New Rochelle. What say we follow the cortege anyhow? It's a twenty-mile walk. Yes. But it's a walk with history. To pass the journey, I'll tell you the story of Tom Paine's life. Hooey, three miles to go. Now at least we is on what might be called the home stretch. True also for Thomas Paine, who you might call to mind is seeking a berth on a ship to return home to America from France. Heading for a life of quiet reflection, raising chicken. What do you think? The President Thomas Jefferson, 1st of October, 1800. After 15 years away, I wish to come home as soon as I can pass the seas in safety from the piratical John Balls. If any American frigate should come to France and the direction of it fall to you, I will be glad if you would give me the opportunity of returning. To Thomas Paine, Washington, D.C., March 18th, 1801. Is he here yet? Is he come? The captain of the frigate Maryland is charged with orders to accommodate you. Jean's way, you should be here any time. That you may live long to continue your useful labors and to reap the reward in the thankfulness of nations is my sincere prayer. He's gonna tell it like it is. They say there's no one speaks a word of truth like him. I arrived here on Saturday from Havre after a passage of 60 days. He's here. I seen him. He arrived I should set off to pay my respects to you, your much obliged fellow citizen, Thomas Paine. Here he comes! He's ascending the stage right now! Hush up there, he's about to speak. You should be aware, my friend, that a new phenomenon spreads across America. Time was, my friends, when America was the land of what they called the Enlightenment. He's the fieriest talker of all the circuit rider preacher men. Hush up now, listen up. Great multitudes of people gather to hear itinerant evangelists declare the literal truth of the Bible and denounce all modern modes of thought. A great light had shone, they said, and shown us that mankind no longer needed God no longer needed Jesus Christ, our Savior, no longer needed the word of God Almighty and the Holy Scriptures. You and I, Thomas, would see it as a return to the paganism and superstition of an earlier era. Mankind, they said, was a rational being who might just use his mind, his own mind, to know the truth. But they claim it as an awakening. His own mind! Nothing more. His own mind could take the place of the church, of the preacher, of the fear of hell, and the longing for heaven. It could take the place of the Holy Bible itself. But it is only by the exercise of reason that man can discover God. Our founding fathers, they said... Are rational men. Take away reason and he would be incapable of understanding anything. They said that when they made this country... It would then be just as consistent to read the Bible to a horse as to a man. When they wrote the constitution of this new nation, when they declared its independence, they looked 
to reason. How then is it that these people pretend to reject reason? To philosophy, to science. Science is the study of the works of God and of the power and wisdom of God in his works and is the true theology. Yes, Thomas, you and I know that. Science can tell us all we need to know, they say. As men of letters, as men of intellect. Philosophy can tell us the difference between truth and falsehood. But the simple people. Our own reason can guide us through. They look to mythology for solace. They see it as the word of God. But science is just the word of man. It is the Bible, the holy Bible, that is the word of God. The word of God. The Jews say that their word of God was given by God to Moses face to face. The Christians say that their word of God came by divine inspiration. And the Turks say that their word of God was brought by an angel from heaven. It might be dangerous to oppose such strong passions. Each of those churches accuses the other of unbelief. And for my own part, I disbelieve them all. When God speaks, when he speaks to you directly through the holy book, he'll know you're hearing the truth. The only truth. God's truth. Of course you're right, Thomas. No one will deny or dispute the power of the Almighty to make such a communication if he pleases. But these are not educated people. It is divine revelation. And sophisticated people. But admitting, for the sake of a case, that something has been revealed to a certain person and not revealed to any other person, it is revelation to that person only. No philosophy or reason can gainsay it. It is hard to persuade them with logic. When he tells it to a second person, a second to a third, a third to a fourth and so on, it ceases to be a revelation. It's hearsay and consequently they are not obliged to believe it. My friends, I tell you now, there is but one way to truth. But some perhaps will say, are we to have no word of God? One road to salvation. No revelation. One path away from from hell and eternal suffering. I answer yes. There is a word of God. There is a revelation. That is the path of Jesus. The way of the cross. It is only in the creation that all our ideas and conceptions of a word of God can unite. And what will light that way is not reason but faith. Do we want to know what God is? Faith in the word of God Almighty himself. Search not the book called the scripture which any human hand might make. And that word is revealed to us nowhere else but in the Holy Bible. But the scripture called the creation. So beware, my friends, the atheist, the rationalist, the false preachers of science, the Thomas Paines of this world. Don't follow pain into the dark Take the path that Jesus took March with Matthew, march with Mark You only need the holy book Oh glory, we have slipped so long Glory, we have slipped so long We have slipped, but now we're wide awake To Jesus, only doubt can make us weaker Only faith can make us strong Earthly knowledge is a curse Forsake as I forsook Give me chapter, give me verse You only need the holy book Oh glory, we have slept so sound Glory, 
we have slept so sound we have slept but now we're wide awake to jesus faith will lift us up to heaven doubt condemn us to the ground science has a serpent's charms that snake he is a crook Stick to Samuel, stick to Psalms, you only need the holy book. Oh, glory, we have slept so deep. Glory, we have slept so deep. We have slept, but now we're wide awake to Jesus. Only faith can make us joyful, only doubt can make us weep. The worldly will face God's rebuke. They will shake as others shook. Learn from Lamentations, learn from Luke. You only need the holy book. Oh, glory, we have slept so late. Glory, we have slept so late. We have slept, but now we're wide awake to Jesus. Only faith will make us love, and only doubt will make us hate. It is by being taught to contemplate himself as an outlaw as an outcast, as a beggar, at an immense distance from his creator, and who must make his approaches by creeping and cringing, that a man conceives either a contemptuous disregard for everything under the name of religion, or turns what he calls devout. In the latter case, he consumes his life in grief or the affectation of it. His prayers are reproaches. His humility is ingratitude. He calls himself a worm, and the fertile earth a dunghill and all the blessings of life by the thankless name of vanities. He despises the choicest gift of God to man, the gift of reason. And having endeavoured to force upon himself the belief of a system against which reason revolts, he ungratefully calls it human reason, as if man could give reason to himself. There's just one place to find the truth Don't mistake as some mistook Reach for Romans, reach for Ruth You only need the holy book 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 Is that an appetizer? Get the latest copy Philadelphia Aurora no addition out now. Baltimore Republican here. Thomas Paine returns to America. Washington advertiser. President entertains Paine. New England Palladium. It has come to the attention of this publication that the noted Thomas Paine arrived here Saturday Thomas last. Thomas Paine, an open blasphemer and condemner of God and all things sacred. Our pious president thought it expedient to dispatch a frigate for the accommodation of this loathsome wretch. A shameless debauchee on a most loathsome, degraded son. Loathsome Thomas Paine, a drunken atheist and the scavenger of fact. He tramples upon the decencies of civilized society and is the slave to the vilest and most sensual of the animal appetites. The arch-infidel, who has publicly declared to the world that he does not believe in any creed that he is read of, is now on a visit to Thomas Jefferson. Damn that scoundrel Payne, for 15 years don't show his face, then acts just like he owns the place, so pompous and profane. Vacuous in vain, that rotten scoundrel pain. An insult to the moral sense of the nation. Damn that English lout. 
English born and English bred With his swollen English head From which those theories spout Let's kick the villain out That dreadful English lout An abominable egoist That miserable Methuselah His wits are fading fast That boozy old bamboozler Just trading on his past If you catch a little hint of an alcoholic glint It is I you can rely on Tom Payne rushing into print That living opprobrium of humanity Tom Payne The infamous scavenger Of all the filth which could be raked From the dirty paths Which have been hitherto trodden By all the revilers of Christianity Damn that drunken dog, bibulously scribbling, whilst venomously dribbling into his glass of grog. And half the world's agog at that wretched drunken dog, the chief doctor of atheism. Damn that godless swine, let's knock him off his deist perch and pack the blackguard off to church, no more hear him whine. Defying the divine, that godless heathen swine, obscene old sinner. Who needs that faded speech if fire stirring up the pot? Who heats that jaded Jeremiah? I for one do not. He keeps thumping on his tub. Ah, yes, but here's the rub. When your nerves are most upset, that's when he's getting to the nub. What? Invite to the United States that lying, drunken, brutal infidel who rejoiced in the opportunity of basking and wallowing in the confusion, devastation, bloodshed, rapine and murder in which his soul delights? Damn the way he prates, pumping out that parlous prose, looking down his bright red nose at these United States. Opening up debates with that awful way he prates. <laughs> you could have no idea of the agitation my arrival occasioned. From New Hampshire to Georgia, every newspaper was filled with abuse. The licentiousness of the press produces the same effect as restraint of the press. If restraint is to prevent things being told, the licentiousness prevents things being believed when they are told. Damn that scoundrel pain Gets right underneath your skin Reminds us what we could have been What we could be again Hubristic yet humane That filthy scoundrel Godless heathen Dreadful English Drunk and hateful Huffed up prating Rotten scoundrel pain To James Madison, May the 3rd, 1807. Well, look there, if it is an old Mr. Payne. Sir, last year I lived at New Rochelle, state of New York. Haven't seen you out much lately, Payne. I have been unwell this winter with a fit of gout. Have you now? Gout? Mm, Well, you know what they say... You're looking older anyhow. The election came on at New Rochelle last year for members of Congress and members of state assemblies. Going over to the town hall to cast your vote, is it? Uh-huh. I guess I'll wander along with you. You voting with Hamilton and the Federalists or Jefferson and his Democrat-Republicans? Religion and war is the cry of the Federalists. Morality and peace, the voice of the Republicans. The union of morality and peace is congenial, but that of religion and war is a paradox and the solution is hypocrisy. Hmm. Well, 
So you say. The leaders of the Federalists have no judgment. Their plans, no consistency of parts, and want of consistency is the natural consequence of want of principle. They say you live in squalor in one room up at your place. They say you dry old tea leaves by the fire and reuse them. Had it not been for the economy and extreme frugality with which I have lived, I should at this time of life be in an unpleasant situation. I have been a volunteer to the world for 30 years without taking profits from anything I have published in America or in Europe. I'm just saying what people say is all. I have relinquished all profits that those publications might come cheap among the people for whom they were intended. All right, old man, keep your shirt on. To cast your vote, take your tickets, fill them out and hand them to the supervisor. A man of the name Elisha Ward was supervisor that year. Put me down for the Federalists. Just take your tickets, fill them out and hand them to the supervisor. To cast your vote, take your tickets, fill them out and hand... I tendered my tickets separately, distinguishing which was which, as is the custom. Thomas Paine... I cannot accept these votes. Each of which Ward refused, saying to me... Uh, You are not an American citizen. (laughs) That's telling him. Upon my beginning to remonstrate with him... Not an American citizen! Fuck you! He replied... Our minister at Paris would not reclaim you as an American citizen when you were imprisoned in the Luxembourg at Paris, and General Washington refused to do it. Upon my telling him that the two cases he stated were falsehoods... Americans in Paris went in a body to the convention to reclaim me, and I can obtain a certificate properly attested of this fact. Hold him back there. Grab him. And that if he did me injustice, I would prosecute him... He got up and called him for a constable. Help! Somebody call a constable! He said to me... I will commit you to prison. I know you, Elisha Ward. Your father and all your brothers joined the British in the war. But this one, being the youngest and not at that time old enough to carry a musket, remained at home with his mother. He chose, however, to sit down and go no farther with it. He and three or four other Tories who lived within the British lines in the Revolutionary War get in to be inspectors of the election. And these men refuse my vote! Why don't you get on back to your hovel? You better run along. Don't want any trouble here. I will prosecute the Board of Inspectors for disenfranchising me. You're all talk, old man. The new generation that has risen up since the Declaration of Independence. They know nothing of what the country was at the time the pamphlet Common Sense appeared. There are but few of the old standers left. knock in the door. Yep. Good afternoon, sir. Do I address Mr. and Mrs. William Carver? You do? I am hoping to have some discourse with Mr. Thomas Payne. Where are you now? Payne? He ain't here. Not for some two years or so. Leaving debts behind him. Stinking old troublemaker. He lodged here after I found him half dead up at New Rochelle. Brought him back here. I says to him, what in the name of all that's holy have you got there? I says, this here's Mr. Payne.
Here's Mr. Payne, Martha. Mr. Thomas Payne. I called into his place at New Rochelle. Found him like this. Look at the state of the man. <laughs> if you think he's dirty now, you should have seen him before I bathed him. Twice. Good God. His fingernails was like the claws of some old bird. Whole place was a great mess. He can't look after himself, Martha. Had some kind of a seizure. It was three weeks ago. I was struck with a fit of apoplexy that deprived me of all sense of motion. I have suggested that he lodge with us. I had neither pulse nor breathing, and the people about me supposed me dead. I dare say we could make room if you can pay his board. I had felt exceedingly well that day and had just taken a slice of bread and butter for supper and was going to bed. Is that so? A fit took me on the stairs as suddenly as if I had been shot through the head. The condition of the man, Martha, when I found him. He'd not been shaved for a fortnight. His shirt, or should I say the remains of it, was the color of tanned leather. And you had the most disagreeable smell possible, did you not, Mr. Payne? Just like one of the poor beggars in England. Yet all this while my mental faculties have remained as perfect as I ever enjoyed them. Well, that's something I dare say. I consider the scene I've passed through as an experiment on dying. And I find that death has no terrors for me. Jesus be praised. As to Christianity, there is no evidence that that religion is true. There is no more proof that the Bible is the word of God than that of the Quran of Muhammad is the word of God. It is education. And that's how it went on. Blasphemy. Next thing you know, it was late night company with hard liquor and politics till all hours. You can't say that. You can't say that, Tom. You can't say that, Tom. Oh, here's the brandy. Here's the brandy. Here. Ah, the brandy. This is the last. Otherwise, you must send out for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tom, if you say so, you were right all along about the Louisiana Purchase. So now what? Set up plantations? Bringing poor Negroes to work the lands in a state of slavery and wretchedness is immoral. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I hear that several Liverpool slave ships have been at New Orleans. It is chiefly the people of Liverpool that employ themselves in the slave trade and they bring cargoes of those unfortunate Negroes to take back in return for the hard money and the produce of the country. And I, the command of the elements, I would blast Liverpool with fire and brimstone. It is the Sodom and Gomorrah of brutality. I'll drink of that. I said to her, I says, We got butter to churn, we got horses to shoe, we got money to earn, we got lots to do, we got urges. Urges? <laughs> to contain. Never you mind about urges. And if that ain't trouble enough, we got Thomas Payne. You're telling me? I rue the day you brought that old curmudgeon into this house, I mean to say. We got floors to mop, we got chickens to feed, we got wood to chop, we got lives to lead, we got standards. Yeah, yeah. To maintain. Don't I know it. And if that ain't trouble enough, we got Thomas Payne. This is Carver. More drink. More ink. He keeps on singing the same old song. Go see what he wants. Okay, here we go again. Who'd think that stink? We'll hang around the house for quite this long. And what we got, we got pen 
hands to wash, we got laundry to press, we got roaches to squash, we got sins to confess, we got neighbors who complain. And if that ain't trouble enough, we got Thomas Paine. As it went on, he got awful niggardly when it came to money. $160? You were with us for the whole of last winter, for which you paid us only four guineas. This is a misstatement. I paid you four dollars a week, and this room is no more than a closet to the front room. And he was always scribbling off letters to Congress asking for money. To the Honourable Senate of the United States, January 21st, 1808. The purpose of this address is to state a claim I feel myself entitled to make on the United States, leaving it to their representatives in Congress to decide its worth and its merits. <laughs> Had it in his head, they owed him for writings and such like, all going way back to the war against England. This story will not tell well in history. All the civilised world knows I have been of great service to the United States and have generously given away talent that would have made me a fortune. One time I purchased a demijohn of brandy which did not serve me three weeks. I said to him, I says, We got sheets to fold, we got buns to sew, we got kids to scold, we got dreams to let go, we got a living. Yeah, yeah. To obtain. Don't I know it. And if that ain't trouble enough, we got Thomas Paine. Don't have to remind me of that. I mean, if that ain't bad enough. We got bread to bake, we got a yard to sweep, we got beds to make, we got secrets to keep, we got a marriage to sustain. Quit sawing them logs, will ya? And if that ain't trouble enough, we got Thomas Paine. Mr. Carver! That old boar, he'll roar. Always kicking against the pricks. Go see what he wants. I seem to recollect it was me that went last time. Oh, sure he won the war. Well, this ain't 1776. And what we got? We got clothes to dry. We got bills to pay. We got bacon to fry. We got prayers to say. We got lapses. To explain Don't look at me And if that ain't trouble enough If that ain't trouble enough If that ain't trouble enough We got Thomas Paine I do not like the treatment I have received at your house. In no case was it friendly, and in many cases not civil, especially from your wife. How dare you? She did not send me my tea or coffee till everybody else was served, and many times it was not fit to drink. Well, I declare... Well, you set fire your bed with the hot brick I put to warm your feet. Now, as to yourself, you ought not to have left me the night I was struck with the apoplexy. I'd seen you in those fits before particularly after the drinking of a large portion of ardent spirits. I did not think, Mr. Carver, that you were such an unprincipled, false-hearted man that I find you to be. But I am glad to have found it out in time enough to dispossess you of all trust I reposed in you when I made my will. You're mistaken if you think I look to you for bequests. It has been my opinion for some time and many more of those you think are your friends, that all you have written has been to acquire fame. 
and not the love of principle. It was then we told him he just had to leave. After so many years of service, my heart grows cold towards America. So where is Mr. Payne now? Uh, last I heard, he was lodging with Mr. Jarvis, the portrait painter, over Church Street. Hey, yes, he did lodge with me. One of the most pleasantest companions I've met with for an old man. John, come back to bed. I'm afraid my bachelor mode of life did not sit well with his infirmities. He was bundled off to lodge with Mr. Zacharias Hitt, the baker at Broom Street. Payne was here, stayed about six months or so. Awful impecunious old fellow. Finish if it was, I had to put the rent up from five to seven dollars and he couldn't meet it. I felt bad with the old fellow hardly able to walk, but what could I do? Someone said he fetched up in a room over a tavern and partitioned. Well, some old timer up there for a while, yes. Rumor was he'd been some kind of writer for the newspapers in his day. Friends came over in the end and found him lying in his own filth. I did scribble it down somewhere. Ah, yes. Mr. and Mrs. Ryder, Herring Street. Mr. Payne came to us in July last year, 1808. What a condition he was in when they brought him. He can no longer wash or shave himself. Has to be helped to use the chamber pot. Friends came and moved him a few weeks back. He's with Mrs. Head in a Grove Street. I'd make haste if I were you. He's not long for this world. We got pigs to sty, we got a roof to mend, we got vittles to buy, we got nothing to spend, we got no time. Oh no, for raising cane. Those days are over. And if that ain't trouble enough, if that ain't trouble enough, if that ain't trouble enough, we got Thomas Payne. He's up in the back room there. I'll take you up. Watch your step now. All I can say is, if you've come to hear a deathbed repentance, then you're not the first, and it's my guess you'll be sent off with a flea in your ear like all the others. How we saw off poor Reverend Cunningham only last week. How the old sinner suffers, it's terrible to see. He cries out in agony, but he will not accept the Lord Jesus as his savior, no matter what. Mr. Payne? Someone come to see ya. Mr. Payne? Mr. Payne? Oh. I'm afraid you've had a wasted journey. Our Father, which art in heaven... Mr. Payne, you will forgive my intrusion. I am dead. I die in perfect composure and resignation to the will of my creator, God. You believe in God? I believe in God. What about Jesus? Do you believe, or put it this way, do you wish to believe that he was the son of God? I have no wish to believe on that subject. It says he is in the Bible. Uh, nonsense ought to be treated as nonsense wherever it be found. 
The false doctrine of the Bible, with all the aid that priestcraft can give, can never stand its ground against the divine reason that God has given to man. No prayers or anything. You, my friend, will find even in your last moments more consolation in the silence of resignation than in the murmuring wish of a prayer. You're telling the wrong person. A man does not serve God when he prays, for it is himself he is trying to serve. And as to hiring or paying men to pray as if the deity needed instruction, it is, in my opinion, an abomination. One good schoolmaster is of more use and of more value than a hundred priests. Yes, well, never mind about all that now. You're dead. Look, they're burying you in that field. There's, what, four people? Well... Could have been worse. The farm will be sold and they will dig up my bones before they be half rotten. Well, I shouldn't really tell you this, but someone does dig up your bones. Carries them off to England thinking it'll fire up a revolution. Mm-hmm. No dice. You should see them all even now cheering at the fancy dress parade. As for America, well, don't get me started. They do free the slaves. Eventually. Sort of. Oh, look, there's two more turning up. That's six. Not bad, six. So, there it is. The life of Thomas Paine from soup to nuts. Except you skipped the part where he fights a jewel with the vice president. What? No, that's Alexander Hamilton you're thinking of. Who? Don't worry about it. Nobody's interested in Hamilton. We're here. Look. All that fuss and bother, and it all ends up with a plain old hole in the dirt. Well, if that ain't the whole of human existence summed up in one mouthful. He never did give up, though, did he? Hell no. We have it within our power to begin the world over again. Schooled in acceptance of what's always been Begin the world over Run to adventure, age of sixteen Begin the world over Cast off that needle they gave you at ten Begin the world over Over again, what then? Revolution Ruined by hypocrites Chastened by fools Begin the world over Leap across an ocean And rewrite the rules Begin the world over Unleash a nation With paper and pen Begin the world over Over again And then Revolution Fighting the world, writing the world Over, over Beginning the world, winning the world Over, over Did your wife have it wrong? Did you never rue the day you made life One long revolution Scorned by complacency, bored by success Begin the world over Haunted by danger, nevertheless Begin the world over As your last shred of hope has just vanished That's when you begin the world over Over again and then Revolution 
revolution Fighting the world, writing the world Over, over Taking the world, making the world Over, over And there must, I am sure, be time Before the final curtain For just one more Revolution Fighting the world Writing the world Over, over Taking the world Making the world Over, over And there must I am sure be time Before the final curtain For just one more Revolution A quiet retirement declined at a pinch Begin the world over Never give up or a damn or an inch Begin the world over Let out one final irreverent amen And begin the world over Begin the world over Begin the world over and over and over and Fighting the world, writing the world Over, over Beginning the world, winning the world Over, over When you choose to be free You can question every answer So who's with me? Thank you for listening to the final episode of Citizen Pain. The voices you heard today belong to Andy Cresswell, Liz Hammond, Beric Livingston, Mark Nicholson, and Paul Tibby. Tom Payne's words were all his own, and the script and songs were by Paul Tibby. If you enjoyed the show, please post a rating and review on iTunes, and to find out more about this and future projects from the audio ballads, go to citizenpain.podbean.com. That's citizenpain with an e dot podbean.com